as you guys know, we've just started this series on the kingdom of heaven, and uh, it's something that Jake uh, preached about last week, uh, gave us an introduction to the kingdom of heaven and how often uh, this particular uh, phrase is used in the New Testament. And uh, I'd like to begin just uh, with the question uh, to, to you in regard to the kingdom of heaven, the idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. How has your understanding changed or grown over the years? John Mark, I think um, uh, for me, it's, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not of this world, but it is of this world. And our actions here are important. Um, but um, as an old song goes, you, you know, we're only dancing on this earth for a very short while. Um, but, um, uh, it's, it's not of this world, but it's still important. What, what takes place here? Well, I remember, uh, becoming a new Christian and transferring into, uh, ACU, my first Bible class with a bunch of guys that had grown up in the church and they were sons of, uh, elders and ministers and so forth. And I was as green as a stick. <laughs> I hardly knew anything, but I pulled off my shelf the book we used in that class, one of them, uh, Introduction to New Testament Theology by A.M. Hunter. Still mm -hmm. a wonderful little book. But the first section was about the kingdom of mm -hmm. God, and I was just fascinated by it. And I just remember that first impression, you know, as he listed passages and, you know, stated it was the theme of Jesus' ministry, and I, I just uh, was enthralled with it. But I think since then, I, I've grown in um, recognizing uh, the tension of the paradoxes of the kingdom, that it's one, it's subtle and hidden, and yet very present and effective. You know, that's one of those paradoxes. And the other is just that um, the, the king, our Christ, is reigning, uh, and he is king, but he's also the suffering servant. There's that tension. So those, I guess that's growing in those two paradoxes and knowing that um, the both and are, are quite true. So I guess your, your question is, how's your understanding changed and grown over the years? I think probably my, my initial response to that is I have uh, gotten much less certain over the years. Uh, I, I kind of grew up with a theology that you had to get everything just right and get it all figured out. And, and there was, there was a logic and you, you got it worked out and, and that was, that was it. And I've, I've uh, really come over the years to uh, accept and believe that the more we know, the less we know. There are, there are certain things of which I am certain. I am certain there is a God who created and sustains and maintains this, all of creation, what we know and what we don't know from a universe perspective. I am certain that, that Jesus Christ was his son, that he died and was resurrected. I am certain that the Holy Spirit, whom I do not pretend to fully understand, but who is present, is, is present. I'm certain 
that the Bible is the word of God. I am much less certain that my understanding of the Bible and, and my interpretations of it are necessarily what God intended for me to get from it. And I, I continue to grow in that. I, I guess I, I shape the entire conversation from that perspective of, of understanding what, what my understandings may have been of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and what it is now. I think I know less as I know more. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, to David Alexander's point, I, I, I think the kingdom of heaven is not of this world, but of this world. Uh, my reference to paradoxes, I've also, uh, this is not original to me, but the already and the not yet. Mm. Um, that the kingdom is here, it's among us, it is, that was Jesus's central theme. But there is a, a fullness of the kingdom that has not yet happened in our, our terms, our time and understanding. So, Heaven, I look at it this way now, is that heaven is so important to each and every one of us. So why are we going to wait to think and talk and live heaven till we die, right? I mean, it's, why, not, why not go ahead and join in and, and uh, participate in heaven now? Yeah. I think heaven is within each and every one of us. And uh, it's something uh, that we are uh, asked to share with others. And uh, I, I want to share and see that as uh, I see my grandkids grow up. And you asked about how, you, how, do, I, how do I learn more, you know, what's sitting around the kitchen table and uh, visiting with these uh, young parents uh, that uh, come to my house with their kids, you know, and, uh, and hear what they have to say. And uh, that's, how, that's how I learned a lot of this. Mike, uh, Mike Young alluded to it earlier, but uh, in one of the books that he had read, um, the idea of the kingdom of heaven is central to the message of Jesus. He speaks about it on numerous occasions. And just kind of curious to get to learn from you guys in this, in this as well is why do you think it is that in scripture, uh, through the parables, that Jesus speaks so often about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? It may have something to do with what I alluded to earlier about certainty. <laughs> the religious leaders of the day, the people of the day, had certain understandings and certain expectations. Mm -hmm. and, and they were relatively certain of those from their understanding of the prophets and the scriptures that they had. As Jesus came and turned those things on their ear, one of those had to do with kingdom and, and what kingdom represented. So I think that that's maybe the topic that he references as much as or more than any other Mm -hmm. If you're counting, and, and I, I haven't done a, a concordance count or anything like that, but um, Hunter did. <laughs> I, I, I know people have, yeah. So um, obviously, it, it, it's a it's a central tenet that he recognized that people didn't grasp or understand, and so he kept coming back to it and kept coming back to it. And he used a variety of metaphors and allegories. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's a pearl of great price. It is those things that he talked about just to partly try to get people to understand 
also, it was not a political geographical kingdom, mm -hmm. which was part of the understanding. So, I think he also, in one of the parables, parables mentions um, you need to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And um, just as Craig said, the more I know, the less I know. But a child's mind is, you know, opening and asking why, why, why all the time can maybe then maybe have a better understanding of grasping ideas and concepts that as we age, we think we, we know something that we really don't know that much about. When I think of the Lord's, uh, Lord's prayer, that's uh, when he taught us to pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be uh, done on earth as it is, is in heaven. I think I read someplace the kingdom of God uh, is the community that lives the life of the future now, uh, in the present. So Jesus is wanting us in our community, the church, not just us, uh, to treat others with compassion, uh, with generosity, mm -hmm. mercy, and uh, with love. And again, that's just like what Jesus was trying to teach us. So I think that's all part of why he's teaching them. Jesus is coming in and fulfilling the longings of the people of Israel of, of this new king and kingdom to come that had been prophesied. It's just that the kind of king he is and the nature of this kingdom is radically different from what they're anticipating. But the reason it's his key theme is because he's pulling together all these passages, uh, these prophecies. He is the fulfiller of um, this long-awaited uh, king and kingdom. And so just the message, the you know, focus is arousing attention, certainly, some negative. <laughs> um, but it, for the people in the streets, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Is this the one? Because they've been so long in longing for it. Uh, but he's radically different from what uh, they had assumed he might be. So what's interesting is just this idea of kingdom. You know, I had a chance to, in Thailand to grow up within a kingdom. There was the king of Thailand and everyone understood and recognized that we were living in the kingdom of Thailand. And so I think when, when the scripture and when Jesus's words were being read in the Thai context, it was easy in some senses for the Thai people to understand the significance uh, and the impact of a king in the kingdom. But I'd be curious in your experience, because we live in the United States, we live in a democracy uh, that doesn't have a king. It has a, a president and Congress and uh, we have elected officials and, I'd be curious, just from your perspective, in our understanding of a kingdom, what are things that we could possibly miss out on in our understanding of kingdom? In the democracy, and, and particularly current thinking, there is an overemphasis, if not perversion, of um, what it means to be individual or individualism, individual rights, and freedom. Um, to the neglect of the obligation to the community. Um, freedom is not entirely the individual all on their own. No, we live together and we are dependent upon one another. You know, the French commentator early on came, coming into this new country observed that this democracy will only work if the people are good. By that he meant that the people are going to be responsible attentive to one another for this thing to function. But such emphasis on individualism, 
that and, and a case in point right now would be certainly the wearing of uh, masks in light of the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it really an infringement on your rights, your individual freedom to wear a mask? It's not so much protection of you, it's to keep other people protected from you. Uh, and we should feel an obligation to do that. Uh, it's a very slight imposition for us to endure because we live in community to maintain the health of others. Well, I think also of um, when you think of a, a, a kingdom, you're going to do what a king tells you to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the rule pretty much. You're going to do what he tells you to do. And then if you go on to a democracy, then you are asked and or you're able to think for yourself. And I think from time to time, folks trying to ar- wrap their arms around uh, Christianity they're not, they're not used to uh, making decisions for themselves or they're thinking of somebody else having to make that decision for yeah. you. And I think that, that can affect things because of that. You know, I think, I'll think, Mike, you were kind of leading to, uh, you know, to lead, to, if you're going on to leading. You know, I think about um, with, with Christianity, we really are, say, servant leadership. Mm. Where are you are serving others. Whereas, even though we may not think that with a democracy, a lot of times it's uh, it's on the basis of superiority. I mean, really, you're, we're gonna somebody's gonna co- create a rule that's gonna tell you what to do, mm-hmm. versus maybe perhaps helping you learn what to do or helping serve others. Now, I, I know that a lot of folks are thinking that they are serving others in the way that they're creating laws, mm-hmm. but I think that not always are we doing that. I guess I've got a couple of thoughts, maybe a little different from what, what's been expressed. Uh, one of those is that if you kind of look back upon the birth of our nation, it was in rebellion to a king. That's true. That's true. And as, as we've uh, kind of described what it means to, to live in a kingdom or serve under a king, Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily been a matter of choice. Mm. People who were born in Thailand, they didn't have an option whether or not they were going to be in that kingdom unless for some reason they left. Yeah. But um, and, and so the the idea and perceptions both from a, an American historical perspective, but even a world historical perspective of what a king was and what the the rights of a king were versus the rights of the individuals and the people and and whether you were in servitude towards a king mm-hmm. involuntarily mm-hmm. or or whether you were choosing to be loyal to a king mm-hmm. which historically has happened as well mm-hmm. and so as we we think about kings and kingship and and being members of, of of a kingdom lordship comes into into the equation as well mm-hmm. and and that very much is is counter to our culture as americans as might kind of refer to the individuals but not so much even individualism so much as as just that idea of of not having a king mm-hmm. and not having a lord and not having someone to whom we're obligated to serve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think one of those 
juxtapositions is is choosing to serve God as a king and having maybe the baggage of what being a king is uh, getting in the way of that sometimes. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on what kind of king you got. Throughout history, you have had great stories of um, uh, in Christendom of, of people who were in kingdoms that were oppressive, answering to Rome. Um, not so much kingdoms, but oppressive regimes. North Korea, um, the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. Um, still, you got you know stories of like Bonhoeffer, and it, so I think that makes the kingdom of God so much more attractive to those oppressed people. And to answer your first question, maybe the kingdom of God has got to be so attractive to people that that are in dire situations, dire kingdoms or regimes. That's a great point. That's a great point. And that being said, I wouldn't want to live any other country but where we are, so <laughs> tag me tag me with that. <laughs> I'm curious as well, um, as as elders, as uh, the shepherds of this congregation uh, who really uh, care, and I know you guys pray daily for the church, and it is of the utmost importance to uh, for you the spiritual health of the Skillman family. But I'm just kind of curious uh, as well to kind of uh, get your opinion on this next question about whether you think it's important and why it is you think it's important for a community of faith to live out the principles of God's kingdom here and now. Is it important for the church to live out what Jesus talks about in the scriptures of the kingdom of heaven here and now? And, And if it is, why do you think it is? I guess I would throw the question back to you when you refer to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Which principles are those? In a lot of ways, when Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of heaven, he's speaking about, in my opinion, a different reality, a different form of rules, a different uh, worldview of how to see how this world can function and how peace can be, uh, can be arri- how one can arrive to peace. I think that, you know, the time... You know, he is speaking to people who are living within the Roman Empire, which is in itself a kingdom. And they have their way of bringing upon peace uh, by domination and, and sometimes by conquering other people. Um, and uh, I think Jesus is speaking of a, of a new reality, one where love is the, the primary uh, agent, uh, is the primary currency. Uh, where Jesus is Lord, I think you know that's a, a direct, uh, a direct proclamation that was very controversial at that time because people were saying that Caesar is Lord. So uh, in uh, that proclamation, Jesus is Lord. Basically, Jesus is the King, and what Jesus, the principles uh, that he's talking about, could be you know love and forgiveness and. Um, the uh, the fruits of the spirit of joy and patience and kindness, uh, graciousness, uh, you know these things um, where greed and power are not the main currency, but love is. And you know the, you know the question too uh, to rephrase it is, you know, oftentimes when we speak of the kingdom of heaven, we speak of this as an al- alternate universe, as as the next world, which I think. There, in heaven, there will be a full manifestation of these principles. But here and now, in, in the world that we live in, and in our neighborhoods, in uh, our interactions with people, why is it important that 
we live out these principles of the kingdom of heaven and, and why is, is it important? I think you take the teachings of Jesus as a whole and, and you kind of form what those principles are because that, that's what his message was about. Yes. And so when he talks about the greatest commandment, beginning to love God and then to love your neighbor, and when he uh, tells people to sell all they have and give it to the poor and to follow him, Mm-hmm. And the things that he challenged people with that many walked away from or that were difficult to either accept or to even understand, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly, I guess. Uh, and I guess one other little follow-up to that is what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? Mm. Great question. And, and as... as uh, Many of his parables kind of related the stories he told. They were of someone seeking. Yes. And 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 so I I guess I kind of draw a couple of inferences from that. One is that uh, it's not something you find, and once you find it, you got it, and that's that's the end of it. it it's it's a continual growth wow. and, yeah. and 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 learning and discovery. But it's also, I think, a key principle to be a seeker of the kingdom. So I think, I think it also in terms of individuals and again back to community. Individuals, when you're uh, when you first accept Christ, you know you're you're thinking of salvation and redemption, and then as you grow more mature as a Christian, and uh, you're hopefully involved in a community of, of uh, Christians, it, it seems like then that um, you strengthen uh, each and every, each and all of you strengthen each other by doing just what Greg was talking about before is by seeking and then doing good works while you, while you are. And that uh, the kingdom of God and with heaven is with each and every one of you in, in that community now but then it, it, that kind of circle of flight and working together mm-hmm. and it, it all kind of moves moves with you mm-hmm. as you go on through eternity right it's, it's all all kind of working together you know to do that so i, I envision it that way you know, kind of individual and as a group well and, and uh, i don't mean to keep jumping in here i keep thinking of things but the idea of, of seeking the kingdom doesn't infer earning Sure. citizenship mm. yeah. and, and, and I think we have uh, a, a lot of times kind of almost equated the two mm. um, doing enough good doing enough right things so that I can earn my citizenship and the idea of seeking isn't parallel with with uh, earning I would almost, and I, I replace the word as I work with folks is um, not as much earning, but learning. So you're earning, you're not, you're not earning good, earning by doing good works, but you're learning to good, do good works. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of times we really don't know how to do good works and how to serve people. And there's little things that we've all done at, at church that, that, I know I've heard from people like, well, you're just doing that. You're just feeding the homeless. You know, you're not taking the next step. 
But um, I think, and I look around the room that you've done that and you've taught those folks how to serve and how they've learned to do that. Uh, you know, so they have maybe have earned good works, but they've learned good, good works, you know, and so they walk away and, and then maybe what's the next step from there? You, know, you never know. I think I would perhaps add that um, the kingdom principles, maybe you use the term practices. Mm. A good starting point is Sermon on the Mount. Mm. There's vivid, specific exercises of a lifestyle. Yes. And the function, the purpose of that is one to, it demonstrates, to live in such a manner, demonstrates your citizenship. Mm. And to do so also clears the way, provides a model, and provides an image of God himself. It's good for us to live in such a manner because we participate in the very nature of God in living in the kingdom uh, practices like that. And it, it helps people to come to know, to come to see the good, the true, and the beautiful, i.e. Christ himself. And so living that way um, is to certainly honor our God, uh, but it's also helping us become more like him. Uh, the passage in Second Peter 1.4 that we are participants in the divine nature. Or as Jesus says from the Psalms, we are all sons of God. And so we live that way because that is who we are. That's who we're being formed into and who we're called to be. And it, it provides opportunity for the world to see him. Uh, it's a living witness, mm. continued message of who God is. One other thing that Jesus says in Scripture, and I'd be curious to hear your interpretation of this as well, is uh, in Scripture, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, and I'd be kind of curious, when Jesus said that, what did he mean? How, do, how can we interpret that passage? Well, maybe, um, when I'm not saying I interpret it, but the way I look at it is it maybe it's even beyond more that uh, heaven is near, but maybe heaven is within us. Mm. Well, if you have 10 bucks, I'll give you a fancy phrase. <laughs> 10 bucks? <laughs> yeah, you got to pay me 10 bucks for this fancy phrase. Then I'm right, sure some of you all have heard it, of course. It's reali realized eschatology. Mm. In other words, in Christ, the future is realized in him. Mm. It's not yet fully come. It's coming, but it's already here in him. Uh, and as Craig earlier mentioned, the now but not yet. Mm -hmm. So we live in that tension. And, and as I tell some of my students, uh, the time modes, the temporal modes, is the, the present is, or the future, excuse me, is impinging upon the present. Mm. Uh, it's affecting the present in the here and now. Uh, the kingdom is here at hand, and yet it is still yet coming. Mm. Uh, the return of Christ has not yet happened, but he's already present here through the Spirit. And so there's, we live in that positive tension of the now, but not yet. And you can just send me a check in the mail. I owe you. Uh, that was worth way more than $10, Mike. I think uh, you <laughs> undershot that. Uh, <laughs> that was a discount. That was a deal. But I owe you 10 <laughs> We'll give you your own parking spot up at Skillman. There's a lot right now. <laughs> That's right. That was uh, my payment plan when I was younger. <laughs> now, but not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, I think part of it goes back to that idea of if we were to be seeking 
we we aren't told to seek something that is so far away or so far into the future that it's it's not attainable or findable or something that can be experienced mm-hmm. and and so part of it again was was that that way of of fulfilling all the prophecies and and changing people's understanding of what that meant mm-hmm. uh, but I also think part of it has to do with is the king reigning and and not just globally but for each of us individually mm-hmm. and as we are are seeking to be under the the kingship of the king mm-hmm. the kingdom is near us uh, you had mentioned just this term seek first his kingdom and jesus in matthew 6 um, in, a, in a passage about worry do not worry for what you will eat what you will drink or what you shall wear but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to, unto you as well and in a practical sense, I'd be kind of be curious to hear from from you as elders. What does it look like? What does it mean in a practical sense to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness? To be honest and practical, it means I'm still learning what that means. <laughs> yes. Well, it it can be at least initially in a very pragmatic way, taking one step, putting one step in front of the other, and doing what you already know. Live by faith? Well, I'm supposed to trust. I may not always feel like that, but with persistence and endurance and that hope that is not yet in hand, but having confidence that it will come, you do what you know to do from Scripture and from the fellowship and from the history of the church. We are not alone by ourselves to interpret Scripture. We have had a couple thousand years before us to help us understand and to demonstrate living out the faith. Um, I am not the sole interpreter of Scripture. I'm in a community of interpreters. And so learning from that and taking one step at a time and just keep plodding ahead in that seeking mode. And I think God blesses us if our heart is open and earnest in doing so. That's a great point, Mike. In in our interpretation of Scripture, if we find ourselves the only person to ever have this particular interpretation of a particular verse, you know, maybe we should question, question yeah, that. Interpretation. Take a step back. <laughs> yeah. So you were the one that figured this verse out after thousands of years of, of uh, people reading it. That's a great point. Yeah. I think it's, it's prudent to, to plan and um, um, go about your daily affairs, but the older you get, the you, you realize that I can't add another hour to my life. There's very little I can do. He's he's in control. Um, that being said, you you go through your daily plans and and um, um, try to provide for this and and um, situations that come forward. But knowing that uh, that he's in control, uh, I heard the saying that if um, if you want to please God, uh, serve him daily. But if you want to make him laugh, tell him your long-term plans. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot to add to it. You know, I, I, uh, I worry as much or more than the next guy. 
Um, you know, I, one thing I don't worry about, though, I'm, uh, I'm not worried about if uh, I'm going to go to heaven. You know, mm-hmm. I don't worry about if uh, there's a God, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, as uh, Mike said, there was lots of other folks uh, before me that have uh, interpreted uh, the word. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, thinking about uh, the folks in, in my family, my, you know, my grandmother Gladys, who uh, could uh, quote scripture back and forth in that Bible. You know, it means a lot to me to know that's out there. So that cuts down a lot of the worry. Um, you know, and some of the things that, uh, you know, my father taught me as a, you know, again, as a strong Christian, but uh, also strong work ethic too as well. So it's all kind of combined together. Now, when I'm up at 3 o'clock tonight worrying about something, then that's another story. <laughs> that's right. Well, on behalf of the Skillman Church, I do want to thank uh, these elders, uh, these four elders out of the seven, for taking time out of their schedule to share some wisdom uh, in what they have gleaned through the years of their study. And we're so thankful for, for sharing this and on thoughts on the kingdom of heaven. And just to close out today, uh, in the same way in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus was speaking about the kingdom, may we at the Skillman Church, may we seek God's kingdom. May we in our, our lives, in the decisions that we make, may, as Mike said, may we take that step forward. Uh, may we continue to spend time in scripture, to learn about uh, how we can join with God and what God is up to here and now. And uh, as, as we grow in our understanding, may we in this, in this season, seek God's kingdom and live out the practices that Jesus talked about. Thank you again for your time. Until the next time, God bless you. Thank you, Carol. Good to see you.